Hello, good evening, and welcome to The Game Is About Glory. I'm your host, Steph, and joining me tonight are Ram and Milo. Hello, gentlemen. Hey, Steph. Steph. How's it going? Good? All good. Yeah, all good. Warm. Yeah, 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 that was a very American. I should be saying, how's it going well, right? How's it going? Good. That's bad English. I've started with (laughs) bad English. Uh, But also, chaps, what has also uh, started, actually, is the 2022-23 season. It's officially started, and that's, that's good. In any English, actually. Uh, so uh, immense, uh, immense, amidst the drenching humidity, high swoon heat and laudable fanaticism of our wonderful South Korean fan base, Tottenham Hotspur FC officially took to the pitch against K-League All-Stars and Eric Lamella Sevilla for two proper workouts, which yielded all sorts of conversation points uh, and not a small amount of optimism for the coming season, right? Fair yeah, enough absolutely. to say that, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Agreed. And, you know, I think we've, we've just been talking about this off, off pod. Talking points is what the game is about, Glory, does best. So everyone out there listening, settle in, get a beverage, and we'll be going through some of the talking points which sprung up for us over the course of the two matches. We will also, as you've become accustomed to this summer, be looking at the transfer window rumours. Uh, and it is something that this pod will continue to do weekly until that window slams shut. But let's start first by looking at, drumroll, the week that was. And finally, as predicted by the game is about glory and uh, well, probably just about everybody else, actually, uh, Jed Spence is done. And when we say done, we mean he's signed as a Tottenham Hotspur player, even though they haven't officially announced it. Photos of him doing his intro video have been leaked everywhere. I mean, it's all over the place, isn't it? And uh, we know he's ours. Fee is rumoured to be £12.5 million, rising to £20 million with all the add-ons, which uh, we were debating were probably the things that were holding up the deal in the first place. But expectations for Jed this season, chaps? I think, well, I mean, he's kind of come in, he's, he's young. So he if Royale and... Uh, Doty is still in, uh, still with us at the start of the season then the position is kind of his for the taking without the pressure of being a marquee or big money signing because he's young enough to be considered an understudy um, but you can also stake a claim for that position so you know there's plenty of game time to go around so let's see hopefully he um, hopefully he does hopefully he comes in and takes the ball by the horns yeah, I mean, it's a shame that he's missed kind of the beginning of preseason. It would have been good for him to go to South Korea and got some get some minutes over over there. So he's going to be a little, he's going to be playing catch up a little bit, and um, I'm sure he's relishing the uh, the prospect of doing forty lengths of a of a football pitch sprinting <laughs> after a two hour training session. Uh, <laughs> I was about to speculate. Do you think that there was a backdoor deal there where his agent said, "Look, he'll sign, drag your but feet. not until all that running bollocks <laughs> and throwing up on the pitch is over." <laughs> I, I suspect that that's what he's been doing. You know, these last few days. I think um, I'm assuming that we're waiting for everyone to come back from South Korea before we do the official announcement. It'll probably come to, come on Monday, so probably just before this pod comes out. Are you speculating that right now, as we record, he's still running lengths and being made to throw up before everyone shows up? Yeah, <laughs> yes. he's out there being right <laughs> now. Run, run, run! run. <laughs> he saw that picture and he shat himself and thought, yeah. "I've got up my game." <laughs> So we're going to get to a situation where players don't want to stay at the um, at the lodge, aren't they? With uh, yeah. when they sign, because <laughs> so. the good news is we have the best bedding in the whole of the footballing world, and the best mattress. The bad news is you won't see that bedding or mattress until you've absolutely flogged yourself and vomited on our pitches, right? Yeah. So in, in terms of expectation, so he's a little. He's going to be playing catch up a little bit. Um, 
I would expect him to establish himself as first choice reasonably quickly because he's a better fit for what Conte wants in that he can take him, take on and beat a man. You know, he's quick, he's strong, um, and you know he's a he's a, he's a touchline hugger, which is what Conte wants in his in his um, in his wing backs. So I, I think he'll establish himself pretty quickly and surprise some people. A touchline hugger. From the Milo corner of the world, we had King Fingers last week, and uh, thanks to uh, his son. And this week, we've got a touchline hugger. I love these phrases that come out from your world, mate. Touchline hugger. That's such an old school phrase, but it seems new. Brilliant. Love it. <laughs> we, we didn't say King Finger on the, on the pod last week. That was in our pre-show. <laughs> Absolutely appalling. For those of you who are wondering what king fingers are, look at your hands and look at those stumpy things to the uh, extreme left and right, depending on which hand you're looking at. Those are king fingers, as Milo's son says. It's your thumb. And it sounds like everyone's giving two king fingers uh, up to, uh, to to Jed Spence. Am I right? Yeah, I think so. It's exciting. Yeah, yeah. agreed. Yeah. yeah. He had a great season last year. So, yeah, let's hope he carries it through. Yeah, yeah. Someone else who's done very well recently is Gianni Vio, um, who the club confirmed on Monday that set-piece coach Gianni Vio has joined Antonio Conte's backroom team. We spoke about Vio a couple of weeks ago and had a a quick look at his career. Vio is probably best known in this country for the work he did with the Italian national team at last summer's Euros and with Brentford and Leeds. So let's have the same question that we had for Jed Spence. What are expectations how much of a difference do we think he can make? Did he? Is he already working with, with the players? You're, you're going to say the same as me, aren't you? You're going to bite in and say, well, the first expectation would surely be that when he has a two-man wall to make sure that he doesn't leave a giant gap in the middle of it and half of it ducks. That would be a good start for me. I expect that to improve. Is that what you were going to say? No, no it wasn't actually. Oh, okay. I was, I, I was going to say he's already paid for his salary because oh. Kane, Kane scored a free kick. <laughs> <laughs> wow we're both opposite ends of the spectrum there all right yeah so he was out in south korea so funnily enough i'd seen photos of him before we recorded last week's pod and i'd meant to say that he was with the team out there and then in all the excitement during the record i forgot to say it so it's a, i'm a week late with this we could have, we could have a breaking news exclusive um i mean i think what it's it, interesting what does he look like bald i haven't, seen, a I haven't seen a picture of him He's bald, he's got a beard, glasses. And does he have a giant, giant, uh, like, you know, a peachy paper folder or whatever you call them, like an A4 paper folder like you would have had in university or whatever? I mean, does he have a giant, like about one foot thick to contain those over 4,000 uh, plays? Does he walk around with that or not? Um, not in the photos I've seen, no, Steph. Mm. Um, <laughs> okay. I would say it's funny you should mention the, the free kick in the K-League All-Stars game because if you look at... We had a decoy wall next to the K-League wall. And then just before the ball was struck, they moved to the side and blocked the view of the keeper. Mm. So I think that might be... Are you talking about in the defensive sense? Sorry, I'm still harping on about that one we let in. Sorry, Gary. You mean Kane's one that he scored, obviously. Yeah, so we had a a wall, a decoy wall next to the K-League All-Stars wall. And yeah. when Kane struck the ball, or just before that, our wall moved to the side and blocked the view of the keeper and went in front of their wall. And mm. I think that's, you know, can be quite an easy routine to work on. So he's only been there a few days. You know, you're not going to see the full thing yet, but I think that's probably something that he has worked on. And obstructing the view of a keeper is, is you know, is a good way of, you know, kind of inc- increasing the odds on your side. And, uh, you know, decoy walls and things like that are a, a lot of what he does. Yeah. So, I mean, so yeah. I think we have seen already seen some evidence of it. Yeah. So I think these are the, those sort of fine margins. You know that that sort of extra one or two yeah. percent. That's, yeah, that's the difference right. between a title challenging team and a 
Champions League challenging side. I mean, I think also to further answer your question, Milo, I think it's very important that the set piece coach, you know, determines that we have more than one or two people that can take a good set piece and that we mix it up accordingly. And that, you know, that so hopefully we'll discover that we do have three or four very strong set piece takers and that you can you can use them in, a, you know, various scenarios. So as it becomes a little harder for the opposition to, to you know, to gauge what's going to happen when they see a certain setup from a certain range. Possibly. I mean, I think what you will certainly see is two people stood over the ball more and um, trying to make it harder for teams to plan for it. Really interestingly, I say there's a podcast called Modern Soccer Coach Podcast, and they did a recent interview with the Swansea City set piece coach. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's going to have different methods to VO and what have you. But it was really interesting um, hearing him talk about how he works and some of the difficulties of the job. I'd really recommend people give it a listen. I mean, he particularly talks around, you know, when you've got two day, two games a week, how little time there is on the pitch. And he's not working directly with the whole team at that point because, you know, they've got a recuperation day and all the rest of it, and there just isn't the time to do that. And he talks a lot about talking to players in the periphery. So he'll take players into the analysis room and show them stuff and talk it through it. Um, but he also talks about how he'll work in you know, very small amounts of time over a week, sometimes one-on-one or in small groups, building towards the game so that um, people take stuff in. So he, you know, he's very, very good at talking about how much professional footballers have to take in and um, and how that can impact on the work they do. I'd really recommend listening to it. It was really interesting. Where can we find it? Yeah, so the podcast is called Modern Soccer Coach. Modern soccer coach. And it's, it's really good. Oh, okay. It's um, so it's about an hour long, but the first half of it is more about the set piece coaching side of it. The second, he okay. was a youth coach before that, so he talks about general coaching and um, where he's come from and his background right. and all that kind of stuff afterwards. But for a period last season, I think Swansea City had the highest number of goals from set pieces in the country. So it's it's interesting. It's it's worth listening to, and yeah, it's not as simple as just. Well, it's not as simple as we, you know, we think. I think. I think there's a lot more to it than that. And yeah, we, there's a lot with VO. There's a lot been talked about this kind of four and a half thousand or how many it is routines. Players can't take that in. So it's about you know. He says that he you know has a set number of stuff. He works with it. He tweaks it. He will change runs or he'll change where you know what they're doing in order to suit the opposition. But you know, given how limited the time he has with um, with players, you know, there's only so much you can do. Of course, yeah, right. yeah. And it's funny you say that about the uh, dis- the, the um, you know how the routine goes once the season starts. I've forgotten. I think it might have been Eric. It was either Eric Dyer or uh, or. Benjamin Davis, one of them mentioned that the reason they work so hard in pre-season right now is precisely because of what you said, this yeah. coach said, that once the season starts, you're basically just recovering. Uh, there's yeah. that You really can't, like the actual fitness work is sort of self-maintaining at that point, but you have to work hard at this point to get to that. So yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting point. I did wonder with us taking on a set-piece coach though, whether signing Richarlison is a masterstroke because of the set-piece opportunities that he will create from hitting the floor every time anyone gets near him. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, yeah. Uh, you know he's got to be he's got to be worth at least a couple of free kicks a game every game yeah. in uh, yeah, well, goal scoring opportunities. So, <laughs> uh, of course, we'll we'll enjoy talking about all aspects of him in the in in the next section of the pod. There's a lot to break down with him, but yes, of course, I understand his uh, his need to study the turf on a regular basis could well be to our benefit and uh, long uh, and good. I have no problems with it. I probably should if I'm being uh, morally, uh, you know, morally correct here. But I have no problem with it. If he wants to inspect the turf twice, twice every, you know, a few times every game, in our shirt, 
Absolutely. As the cranberry said, <laughs> Steph, everybody else is doing it. Why can't we? <laughs> there we are. There we are. <laughs> I like that. Um, and I would say that uh, when it comes to the new Away shirt, nobody else seems to like it except for me. <laughs> it was launched on Thursday with a purpley blue body uh, with dark blue arms and that fluorescent yellow trim at the sleeve and also on the neckline which is quite interesting. And uh, this is where the game is about glory gets all fashion conscious because we really are dialing it in for you. If you you haven't seen it, you can surely imagine it. And to give you a further visual, uh, if you haven't seen it, it's very similar in many ways to the the Kappa shirt of uh, 2002-2003, the away shirt that they had. And uh, look, I think think it's a a winner. I will be cladding my um, uh, increasingly argumentative frame in it with the hope that it makes it look okay. Um, But uh, well, anyone else here be treating themselves to uh, to this uh shirt which has been i will have it's been, i'll admit it's been you know shall we say compared to a, a diving top i said at the time in when it came out in our group chat i said if they'd stuck with one color or the other all over it would have been a lovely shirt so well, i wasn't sold in it but it is growing on me i don't know if it's enough yet for me to buy it now but um, it's 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 picking away at me so watch this space I haven't bought a shirt for 18 years, so I'm not going to start with that one. (laughs) (laughs) I think you should. Was that the most predictable line (laughs) in our pod history? Actually, it was longer than I thought. I was expecting a Jordan Peele-like, nope. (laughs) (laughs) And The third shirt is the one I, or the leaked third shirt is the one I like most of the designs I've seen so far. But I'd agree with Ram. I thought it looked better in a match situation than I was expecting it to. On the colour of it. Ram, Hang on, before you go any further, Ram, we should do a whip around and we should I'm, buy I wouldn't him wear it. the third shirt. <laughs> and, and, and so as we can see him wear the third yeah. shirt, I, I, would, I would be delighted. I'd love to see that. I think Let's he could it. pull off the third yeah. shirt, don't you? Yeah, we'd have to wear it the next time we do a, a Tottenham Stadium meet-up. Yeah. He'd have to, uh, he'd, he has to wear it. Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe some of our loyal listeners will pitch in on this uh, venture. Uh, he has to have the nipple friendly version mind so get your get your money ready it's not going to be the cheap one okay yeah. we're at that age where your nipples have to be protected by the well, finer recycled fabrics sorry I'll up, sorry my, I'll <laughs> sorry, my crowd fun excellent sorry milo you were going to comment on the color of the away shirt that you will never wear do you remember that photo a couple of years ago of the uh, of the dress that some people saw as bluey purple and some i can't remember was it green or gold or something like that i can't yeah. remember what it was sure yeah. I, i've been struggling to work out what the color of the body of the shirt <laughs> is this week and i thought the arms were black but they're actually dark blue it, it appeared yeah. from saturday's game so yeah I, it's um i've struggled with it a bit yeah i i, I like it anyway so but there again uh, being someone that generally tends to buy most shirts and run around and heaving my fat ass around a, a pitch once a week wearing them and pretending <laughs> i'm one of the players i probably would <laughs> like it you know the black um training shirts are quite nice yeah i like that yeah nice they're good uh but i i'm gonna make a prediction this away shirt is gonna have the same resonance in a year as the 2019 green third kit the silver and green third kit which let's face it when it first came out we all looked at and said what the hell is this Hmm. this is absolute pants and by the time april may rolled around i don't know about you i was trying to find one in my size and i couldn't i so i've I've jumped the gun this time i'm like i'm just going early because i know where this shirt's headed it's headed for classic status so you heard it first on the game is about glory right (laughs) no nobody's agreeing with me everyone's like no you're on your own (laughs) I think we're going to have a good season and 
good results make even a bad shirt associated with good memories. So yeah, I think I think um, come come this time next year, it's a shirt we'll associate with some really good you know days and nights and. Um, yeah. As long as you don't see me wearing it, <laughs> in which case it could be a nightmare. You'd be like, "Good, take the that good, off." The good thing is, Steph, with the uh, fluorescent um, stripping as piping on it, it'll be very easy yeah. to see you coming and run off in the other direction. <laughs> I think at some point this year—that's why my missus w- allowed me to get it. <laughs> <laughs> at some point this year, I need to get my advanced open water diving certificate. So I think it will really come in handy then. Yeah. <laughs> And we're back to Richarlison inspecting the pitch, aren't we, somehow? Maybe the shirt has been made with him in mind. Anyway, so stop me while you can. I, I think it's a shirt, Steph, you could wear if you're walking the dog at night and uh, you've got to go along a couple of roads on the way from the beach back to the house or you know, from the fields back to the house. And, uh, you know, oncoming traffic will be able to see you a mile off if you're wearing that shirt. That's it. You're not going to get a better breakdown of the Tottenham Hotspur away shirt for 2022. Two twenty-three. than you just heard here don't even bother trying anywhere else we got you covered as you could see so i think this is what the third or fourth case of covid in the camp that we've had or times we've had to report on it so whilst in yeah. uh south korea um eves basuma and fraser forster both tested positive for covid and they've been isolating away from the rest of the squad and whilst Everyone else flew back to the UK, flew back to London on Sunday. Uh, Fraser and Eves have had to stay out there till Wednesday. So I think under um, South Korean restrictions that you have to isolate for seven days. And so their trip to South Korea has been seeing a hotel room. Are they, are, are they literally not allowed out? The, the South Korean yeah, rules right. are you don't? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I presume that they got each player the largest suite that you can get removed the furniture or put it all in the middle and have had them on a training regimen of running around their rooms repeatedly <laughs> for the last seven days. They've had to do a hundred, a hundred lengths of their hotel room. Yeah, a hundred laps or lengths of their hotel room uh, every three hours. <laughs> as an aside on this, I think um, Football London uh, ran a report um, over the weekend saying that Spurs have a policy now that we'll only sign fully vaxxed players. Oh. You, as both of these are new signings, you, you know, you would say that they, you know, they've both been vaccinated. But the other thing that I thought was interesting that I read was that um, Loft- Loftus Cheek and uh, Kante at yes. Chelsea have been left off the Chelsea's yeah. US tour because uh, they haven't both been double vaxxed. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's an interesting situation there where um, you don't need to be fully vaxxed to enter South Korea. So we can't draw too many conclusions from who did or didn't go on the tour. Um, but it is interesting that we're, you know, Spurs will only sign uh, fully vaxxed players now. And I mean, mm-hmm. obviously it makes sense because um, whilst it doesn't stop you catching it, it does um, lessen the symptoms or reduce the risk of you having severe symptoms. Um, so presumably, you know, you'd hope that vax players are going to take less time out if they do catch it. But yeah, 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 yeah. but yeah. tricky. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder. Uh, but I am interested to know what training they might have been able to do in isolation. That's something they might have chucked a couple like of um, bikes in there and stuff like that, and weights and things like that. I suppose it depends on how well they've so. been. It depends on how well yeah. they've been. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, again, I've had some friends who've been quite unwell recently with it so interesting and a bit of a shame though wasn't it because of course they are two players who would most certainly have featured yeah yeah anyway the supporters trust have elected two new co-chairs uh steve cavalier and rachel mardim uh with kunal shah elected as secretary uh steve and rachel are taking over from cat law and martin cloak who announced that they will be stepping down a few weeks ago and we would love to wish and will wish 
Rachel, Steve and Kunal the best of luck with their endeavours with the Supporters Trust, which is something that I think we all agree is a, is, is a, is a, is a good thing. It's a really mm-hmm. important thing. So good mm-hmm. luck. Good luck, folks. And thank you for the work that you will be doing. So a surprise inclusion in the under-21s side against Enfield Town last Tuesday was Danny Rose, who's back training with us while he tries to find a new club. So obviously he joined Watford in January. Also on display against Enfield was 18-year-old Gillingham midfielder Josh Chambers, who was having a trial with us. Uh, Danny played for us the under-21s again on Saturday in a 3-1 defeat to Leighton Orient. It's interesting that that story features right above transfer rumours. Is Antonio Conte looking at Danny Rose to do a diehard part five and come back? No, he's noisy. He's, he's not, but... <laughs> he's not at all. <laughs> I was thinking back to... You remember when we did the pod last season where we talked about kind of academies, feeder clubs and yeah. um, B teams? Mm-hmm. And one of the things we discussed then was some clubs are taking kind of senior pros and putting them with their uh, academies to act as almost like coaches on the pitch and as mm-hmm. mentors. Now, I mean, obviously Danny is you know looking for a club at the moment, but I do wonder whether if he can't find a club or maybe after his next club, that's a role he could take on with the academy and you know maybe still play a bit. But he's obviously got a very good relationship with the kids mm-hmm. in the academy and... You know, he's been, you know, after he joined Watford, he was turning up to games and, uh, you know, as a, as a fan. Yeah. In the Orient game, sorry, just one other thing, expert Antonio Giorgio played for Orient and had a, a good game from what oh. I saw. I caught the second half of the game. I missed the first half, but I saw the second half. And, um, yeah, he looked good, Giorgio. Good. He's a player that actually at one point I thought was on the ball- he was on the bubble for breaking through. You know, he, had, mm. he showed some nice uh, touches for us in pre-seasons and so on. It never quite clicked. So I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he's one of those ones that we held on to for too long as well. He was quite, yeah, um, good you know, point. Been in the academy despite being, you know, an adult, and he, yeah, we kept him on far longer. The only other thing I would say is, so it was on Orient's um, YouTube channel, and the camera angle was really shitty. And, and obviously, our women's team, a team, are playing at uh, Brisbane Road this year. Uh, I hope it's not the same uh, same camera angle. They, they had a single camera. There was no zoom on it. And um, when they were panning across, there was a pillar in the way in one in one direction. So it was um, it wasn't the best. Sounds like the full uh, Brisbane Road match day experience. <laughs> yeah, it sounds very authentic. But anyway, I drift. But I'm going to drift back to transfer rumours. We're here again this week. Uh, Jaffet Tanganga was the uh, is the top of the list here to discuss. Apparently, AC Milan. Uh, you know that rumour refuses to go away. That they want him, the Rossoneri, uh, keen to take him on loan. Newcastle have apparently uh, also been linked with the move with Marco Contre- Conterio. Where is Marco Conterio from? I don't know. It's not. So, not, so not we'll, we'll say name. again with the with the famed and revered um, football uh, <laughs> informer Marco Conterio. You heard his name here first on the Games About Glory. Go and follow him now on his social media and push him up to 8 million followers. Um, the reporting that we've discussed the loan with an obligation to buy. Um, but you know, uh, look, as we'll discuss later, I think this is something that has to happen for his career um, and, and for us probably. But given the choice, chaps, um, well, I suppose we're saying, would you choose Milan or the big market? I suppose we're looking at it from Jaffet's angle. Let's look at him two angles and keep it short. Um, if you were Jaffet and looking at it for Jaffet, Ram, you, you start with that. Go to answer. Milan. 
go to Milan. That's such an easy, it's an easy choice for me to make sitting here in my living room, but he's young enough to go out there and still find a decent Prem team to join if it doesn't work out. Milan are a huge club. Get the football, get the life experience under your belt. If it doesn't work, there's no shame in that. There's like many much higher profile British players have either failed out there and not, or had not had the courage to make the move. But this is three for a quid at big market. What are you talking about on a Sunday? You get three for a quid, right? So anyway. It's the cooler of the two stripy shirts, isn't it? Yeah. Milan. (laughs) So, yeah, it's an easy choice, isn't it? It's an easy uh, choice. Joining the Italian champions. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Versus the delights of the big market. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There we are. As you said, the easiest choice to make. I mean, seriously, I hope it comes through for him. I think it would be a really good move. And uh, the the question I will ask now, would you loan or would you sell? Um, I'd sell, personally. I would would as well, but Milan are meant to want him on loan, so... Yeah. So we're we're all agreeing we'd sell. So maybe uh, AC Milan, if you're listening, uh, the game is about Gloria saying you can have him, but it's a loan with an obligation to buy. Mm. So you have to buy him afterwards. So that's what we're that's what we're telling you. A really surprising name to come up in the transfer rumours this week uh, was James Madison. Uh, Twitter has been a flutter with talk of approaching Leicester about Madison. Uh, indeed, many have said we have inquired about him, although as we've discussed in previous shows this summer, nobody really knows fully how to define an inquiry versus a firm request. Um, but, you know, maybe Harry Winks is going the other way. There's all sorts of things floating around. I- I'll save my thoughts to the end. Chaps, what would you think of this as a move? Does it feel plausible and would you uh, encourage it or appreciate it? He'd have to do something about his face if it were to happen because I find it so punchable. <laughs> so if he was going to come to Spurs, <laughs> that, that, that's a given for me. Oh. But also, aside from that, like <laughs> where, where would he fit? Is he an option for the front three or, or mm-hmm. central midfield? Or, you He'd know, have like. To do something about his face. <laughs> That's so good. And it's so true. What could he do? What could he do? Maybe share. I don't know. Anyway. I mean, in terms of where he can play, yes. I think yes to what you said there, Ram. He could play in central midfield. He could play in the front three. He could play left or right. I think as competition for for Decky, I think he'd be be quite good. He's right-footed, so probably a bit more natural on, on the left. But yeah, it would give us options. I think also he'd be a really good fit if we ever chose to line up three five two mm-hmm. um as the attacking midfielder in that in a five man midfield he'd be ideal he creates a lot of chances he's a very good set piece taker um you know he scores a, f- a fair few goals he's a player that we have evidently looked at before he's not he wouldn't be cheap um i think he's got two years left on his contract but uh, Leicester generally get decent fees for their players when they sell them but it would fit with our kind of big club attitude this summer I think you know very mm-hmm. similar so maybe to the Richarlison signing and yeah maybe not a first choice player but real quality depth there and moving us away from being a team with a good first 11 but a real drop of in quality and after that into a team with real competition yeah. so yeah it's um it's not one that I thought was likely he wouldn't have been um on my list uh at the end of the season or I wouldn't have thought he was a player that we we're going to go for but um I can see a lot of sense in it. Yeah, I mean, look, I trust our recruitment uh, implicitly. I trust that people do their due diligence with him. I know nothing about the man other than what I see. Um, and in that 
particular court of you know ignorant public opinion i sit with ram in terms of he would need to change the way he looks because i think he looks like a twat which is stupid it's not a way to evaluate a player as a player what i do wonder is whether he has the character the fortitude to do what antonio conti will want him to do and whether he has the patience and 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 understanding of the game as a squad game to be a, a one of many as opposed to the first, you know one of the first uh, 11 names on a team sheet and this we don't know but Conte is signing off on all of our signings so right. if Conte didn't think he had that um, it wouldn't happen and I think one of the things yes. since, since Paratici's come in and certainly since Paratici and Conte have been together I think they've been pretty good in terms of kind of the, the mental strength and the attitude of the players they sign yes and this is what I'm coming around to saying I'm sort of buffering my opinion on him with that saying that ultimately if he ends up being signed for us for 50 million quid, which I think would be a massive overpayment, to be honest, um, I would have to accept that it is the right move because I trust the club. But I can't see quite where he fits into the way Antonio Conte plays right now. Uh, I I just don't quite see it. And it would seem like the most luxurious of luxury players. And given that Antonio usually has two two players of type at least for every style of player in the squad I, I he would be the only one of his kind I, I i i don't i don't quite see it i, I think he's closest to decky in terms of who we've got now and we don't have a viable alternative to decky hmm. and certainly you know if we wanted to play 352 then decky is the only one really who can play um in a three-man midfield that we've got so um i don't i don't quite agree with that and i i think you know, 50 million, you know, as we saw with Richarlison, it was at 50, 60 million. You know, that's the going going rate for a, a good forward straight attacking midfielder. You you may very well have a much more balanced and rational view of this. I mean, I'm, I'm prejudiced by the fact I just don't like him. I don't like him as a player and I don't like what I see of him. He's Delhi's mate. You know, yeah, angry lishes. When we take, you know, one of the players out for, you know, their birthday or something like that and Delhi comes back and goes out with them, if Madison's there as well, Delhi's happy. And if Delhi's happy, Steph's happy. That's normally what happens. <laughs> yeah, which makes my sort of... Uh, my. I, I think ultimately, getting this back to football as much as I can, I just don't... I, I just don't, don't think he's done enough or show me enough to be i mean you talk about richarlison and you talk about the price he costs richarlison is a a full brazilian international who is their number nine i mean he he has he has some uh there's a reason for that price tag beyond the player he is and the roles that he covers i just don't know what madison covers beyond uh the special i mean you've you've detailed it quite well i mean i i'm buying i'm buying your explanation uh partially but i would have to convince myself let me just say that i would it would be a work in progress for me name a better attacking midfielder in the premier league that we could realistically get i'm not thinking of attacking midfielders in the premier league that we could realistically get because the one that was on the block that was available that was there for us to take that wanted to come to us that we spent a long time sniffing around and looking into antonio in the end didn't want and that would be the one ericsson yes and i think it was the right move Uh, ultimately i think it was the right move but so if he's not going to go for a player like that i don't see where he's going to switch Ericsson's on 300k a week at Man United. Okay, but if we're paying 50 million for James Madison, I mean, he's not going to come for a tenner, is he? He's not going to say, well, pay me 75 grand a week. I mean, he's going to be pricey as well. A couple of seasons ago, I think James Madison was being lauded as like England's saviour. And and he was, was, you know, I think he has the potential to be a very special player, um, but he's had some off-field stuff, hasn't he? That's kind of... 
got in the way and there was questions about his attitude and stuff like that but he seems to I think you know toward he, he did have a good season last yeah, season th- yeah it's a 30 goal, goal involvement last season to combination you know, yeah. assists and goals yeah um, you know he, he's he, he, he you know he's got a high return still got a punchable face <laughs> Indeed. Uh, let me. All right. Let me. Let's close this off with one thing. Uh, do you think this is going to happen or not? Definitively, Ram. No. Milo. Um. Don't know. Okay. I don't think it's going to happen. So there's two two heads on the block there. Um. But let's move on to uh, Jules Kunde. Uh, another name that keeps on popping up. <laughs> the Damiao of defensive rumours, I think he's becoming uh, for us. Um, yeah, the Mirror and Express, they keep on the peddling this name. Are we just writing this off as agent posturing and shitty tabloid copy padding? I mean, are we yes. just prepared to say, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Very good. Okay. So to turn your Madison comments back, you know, where does he play? Yeah, I agree. I would say, you know, he's not going to come in and be Dyer's understudy. He's not going to come in and be Romero's understudy. Yeah, he could play central 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 defence, and Dyer drops out of the side. But I think that's unlikely, c- given how important Dyer is to uh, the organisation of the defence. And um, you know, if with um, Lengley coming in, um, you know, Romero's only his second season. I think you're going to want someone who's experienced there who can and you know guide that team through. So um, that doesn't seem very likely to me. Him coming in and playing in the middle. Barcelona, PSG, and Chelsea are all interested in him. Um, they're going to pay a lot more than we would. So, yeah, I don't see it. I don't think there's anything in this. I oh, think. I completely agree. And I also think it's one of those stories. It's interesting how these rumours always come up just before you play a side. Yeah, so, you know, he's a Sevilla player, yeah. and this story comes out in the build up yeah. to a game against Sevilla. Haven't we got a homegrown um, situation as well? Which is why I could, I could actually probably see Madison coming in over over Kunde. You know that rumor being stronger. But. It depends on who's who who's going out. Yeah, I think we're okay. You know, if we get rid of Vendembele, we get rid of Lacelso. Um, if we lose one of our right wing backs, um, if Reggie leaves, you know, we're okay. But yeah. but we'd have to have significant outgoings, I guess. Um, no, we could ac- for... we could accommodate him with the players you're expecting to leave, leave right. uh, are leaving. Yeah, I, it's a non-starter for me. It really is. It's a bit like Memphis Depay, which is a name that keeps on coming up. These names just make they don't really make sense. This like you know, it just feels like the sort of uh, agent posturing that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. It really does. It doesn't make any sense to me. I completely agree. I see Toby Alderweireld's name in the notes, not because we're. Doing another diehard part five. Toby is coming back, not at all. But it was nice to see that he finally got his move back to, yeah, to hometown club, not back to his hometown club, Royal Antwerp this week, 18 months after leaving us. Um, he had spoken about wanting to return home so they could bring his kids up in Belgium. Um, when he was with us, he was saying that. So it's really nice to see that he's got his wish. And uh, and good luck to Toby, always, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and also, it gives me a chance to sing Toby. Toby, 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 Alder, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I do miss that, and that's actually maybe yeah. the only reason I would have uh, really been excited about Ericsson coming back because we could have sung Ericsson. <laughs> we need better songs. We better start working on that in pre-season, folks. Uh, yeah. So, anyone out there, start generating some new songs. We'll be thinking about this in the coming weeks. He's rolling his eyes down there in the corner. You can see he's appalled we've gone to the scene. No, there's, been, there's been loads of new songs, Steph. You're just out of date. I probably am. Well, bring me up to date. Bring me up no. to date, you trendy bastard. I want to hear some of them. Ooh, go to a game. Well, how, how, can you, how can there have been a great chance about Richarlison? What's, the, what's Okay, what am I missing here? 
Apologies for not being in Seoul. I didn't catch them. Oh, come on. Come on. What's he doing? Is he... He's pouring oh, another he was... drink. Oh, right. because Of course he's pouring another drink because he knows where we could be possibly headed. And at any moment, we're going to be heading away from there. So... Madison, son, son, he's got a face you want to punch. punch Madison, um, son, son, <laughs> I'd like to punch it before lunch. <laughs> Did you see that in South Korea they had um, the fan club over there, or the supporters association over there, fan club, um, had did little um, kind of, I'm just trying to kind of lollipop shaped. Um, Kind of things they gave out to the fans there. I had a picture of Antonio Conte on one side and then had the lyrics to some of our songs on the other side. It was quite yes. nice. Yes, I did. I thought that was I thought it was very good. But what I didn't like was the fact that they didn't all hold the fans didn't all hold the, the little signs up at the same time. I would have loved to have seen us a, a photo of like thousands <laughs> of Contes in the ground. Sea of Contes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can tell you actually for 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 Lemmy's seventieth uh, birthday, there was a party at the whiskey, and uh, that was one of the things that we're, that people were given was a was a little Lemmy face oh. with masks. That's good. Anyway, I, I digress. Let's not get too Danny Kelly here and start talking about music for twenty five minutes for God's sake. Let's talk about these two preseason games. Yes, we're here. We're going to look back over what happened in South Korea in our games against the K-League All-Stars and Sevilla. Um, We were discussing off pod how best to cover these. Uh, So we're going to, you know, we're going to cover, we're going to be weaving in and out of both games because essentially it was, um, you know, there were two two large halves of football to introduce our our preseason. Albeit both games did have a slightly different tone. Um, Chaps, do you want to start with the last game first or do you want to start with the first game? Let's start with Sevilla. Let's start with Severe, which of course is the second of the two games. And uh, oh, I'm just going to say, I, I it had the feeling to me very much of a, a, a tough Europa League tie. That's what it felt like to me. Um, yeah. It was it was it was pretty industrial in places, I think. And uh, we'll get into that, I'm sure. Um, you know, let's look at how you thought. You know, first of all, gentle question: How do we play? What did you think? I thought we played really well. I enjoyed both uh, games on our Korean tour. I think. Um, I think the whole thing has been a, a huge success, really. I think just, you know, to put football to one side for a moment, you know, I've enjoyed kind of watching the under-19s Euros and the women's Euros, um, but I'm very much club over country and kind of there's no substitute for Spurs. And it was really nice to have Spurs back, but it was also really nice to see Spurs in a country where the fans were so passionate and, you know, selling out, what, two sixty thousand 60,000-odd capacity grounds in minutes – in a country on the other side of the world, I think the I think both games were broadcast live on Korean TV and pulled in huge audiences as well. is is remarkable. Um, so I think just like just generally kind of well done to the club. It looked great. I think you know you've got a load of fans there who are probably going to be kind of died in the wall Spurs fans for for life. You know even if they weren't beforehand. Um, and I thought that was really nice. And I thought it was also really nice that. If you looked at the audience there, they were, you know, quite a lot younger than you'd see with a football crowd in the UK, and looked pretty split evenly between women and men, and all that is is brilliant. So, yeah, well done. I mean, just to come in on that point, I mean, I had asked how how did we play, but you we were pointing out how we play off the pitch when we put these yeah. teams together, which I think is a really really important thing to note. I mean, I know I I personally know the work that goes into these trips. And I know the detail and, uh, you know, the, the people involved. I mean, there's a lot of love that goes into these trips. I mean, we've talked about these as commercial ventures. Obviously, they are. Obviously, AIA is a massive sponsor. And obviously, Sunny is one of the biggest 
players, in, you know, the biggest in South Korea. But aside from all that, there's a lot of love that goes in from the staff that that, that travel with these events, and uh, and that's what gives. I think that's what makes our tours feel more successful than most. It is that uh, that extra that extra few yards, that extra bit of energy. And I agree with you. You know, they did a great job, and you could really see it from all angles. And special credit to the social media team who really made me feel really involved with what was going on. They're really good work, top yeah. top work all around. I thought you're absolutely right to call it out. You know, even down from kind of Sunny welcoming the team at the airport, yeah. all of that stuff. You know, you, you read out last week about his message to the to the, um, to the team. Yeah. All the way through, you know, photos of the players out, you know, having meals together and and sightseeing and stuff. I think that it's been a really, really solid job. Yes, it has been, and and I think you know, in just in terms of team bonding as well, I think it's been such a good um, exercise in that. And I said I said it in our chat as well. But when uh, I didn't know that Sonny had written that uh, letter to the rest of the team, and when you read it out last week, that it was last week. Yeah, I, uh, but it brought a t- genuinely brought a tear to my eye. Because I was like that, that I really felt touched by that, mm. and um, it's, it's such a good example. Like Sonny's a very m- well loved and respected member of the squad, and like so, well, it obviously meant a lot to him. But I think it meant a lot to the yeah. other players as well. It did. To be but it's, there. All, it's also great. I mean, we already saw. I mean, we, I saw a little bit uh, on our social media that Sonny's already mentioned how much he loves a Charleston. He's one of his best mates. I mean, he's just yeah. like very happy go lucky. But the, the sentiment is one thing, but to make sure that that we hear the sentiment. It's good. It, mm. it, it, you know, I, it, watching what was coming back in terms of coverage from this tour, it really made me feel that, again, we had the club back in terms of mm. togetherness, bonding. Yeah. It's starting to feel, you know, like it did under, you know, the God that shall not be named anymore because we have moved on. But it really starts, it's starting to feel like that. So there's a great, there's a great uh, way to talk about how we played off the pitch. And Conte looked like he was enjoying himself as well, didn't he? Which, you know, I think I was kind of expecting a bit of a kind of grumpy Conte transfer window where he was, um, you know, making sly digs and stuff like that. But that couldn't be further from the truth. So one other thing, actually, in terms of attendances, I think that open training session where players were being sick at the end of doing 40 lengths of the pitch, I think they had 10,000 fans in there for that. A lot. Yeah, and and they had what over two hundred in the golden circle, which for those who don't know is a, an opportunity to get a photo and and uh, and and an autograph with the player, something signed, and that's usually um, for fan, you know, the the supporters clubs and various chapters usually get uh, a ticket or two a piece, and they divvy mm-hmm. it up between their members and two hundred. I mean, mm-hmm. it's tremendous. So yes, I mean, resounding success off, and and so, but you were satisfied and 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 somewhat okay with the way we were playing against uh, against Sevilla. Absolutely, I mean, I thought. The severe game was um, was a tough game. I think both teams you know, were very, very committed. It wasn't a going through the paces pre-season friendly at all, was it? It was um, you know, committed, aggressive. We were pressing hard. They were tough in the tackle as well. It was a bit feisty. I mean, obviously, there was the, the foul on Sun where Sun kind of flailing elbow uh, injured the severe player and then that all boiled over at half time which was was silly considering it was you know his mistake for going in heavy on sun it was an ing- aggressive and uh, you know committed game uh, i think you know kind of that combined with you know the very very kind of physical and heavy pre-season they've had pre- prepares us well for for yes. the start of the season yeah um, yeah Kind of, it's a big difference to kind of some of the lackluster friendlies we've seen at White Hart Lane in the past, where kind of twenty thousand people turn up to watch 
you know, kind of a ball get passed sideways and backwards again for uh, because no one wants to get injured. Didn't feel like yeah. that at all, did it? No, nope. no, no. I thought we stepped up to um, Severe's physicality, and you know, it, like you guys said, it didn't feel like a preseason game. I also thought Severe liked to press, mm. and it was good for us to come up against a team that um, so it like in, in preseason um, just to kind of make us honest there. And it's always tough for me to get analytical with preseason games because yeah. I'm still haunted by that 5-0 win against Roma, which was going to signal an epic forthcoming season. And ever since then, um, but, you know, it, the signs were good. The signs are good, um, you know, that we're, we're, we're really on the way to be prepared mentally and physically for the, for the season. Yeah, I, th- I, I, found, I found it interesting over the both games uh, actually to see the the, the partnerships that he was putting together which are undoubtedly mm. so as he can see what works and what doesn't I mean let's not be fooled I don't think we've seen our first choice 11 uh, mm. in either game and I think he's looking to see what works and what doesn't and you know two different uh, opponents right I mean as you've both mm. said Sevilla came in hard and they played and they played tough um, I actually thought that some of the the treatment of, of, of Kane and Richarlison was 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 a little over for a friendly. But as you said, Milo, it's not going to hurt us. That preparation's great, you know. And then with the K League All Stars, you had energy, maybe not physicality, but a lot of high energy. So both games have given us a proper yeah. workout. And I think I think the other thing you've got to bear in mind is that our players are at different stages of preseason at the moment. So yes. the players who are on international duty came back a little bit later, and. I think in the open training session, you could see that the players who'd had an extra week or so were doing a lot better than other players mm-hmm. who hadn't been involved in international games over the summer. They were doing a lot better in that. So we have to make allowances for that in that, you know, the aim is that in um, kind of three weeks' time, everyone's at the same point physically, but we don't need to be there right now. I think one of the interesting things um, in the Severe game, to go to that for a second, was the... Uh... <laughs> something that we sort of discussed a little bit on the pod uh, last season. And I think we all felt that it wasn't really viable, but all of a sudden there he is. There's Lucas Mora at right wing back. And there's Antonio saying, I really think I can reinvent him as one. And suddenly we're getting visions of Victor Moses and, 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 and wondering if it can happen. Chaps, did you feel it was an option? Did you feel there was life in Lucas as a right wing back from what you saw against Sevilla? It's certainly an option. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure we saw enough of what you know. Um, whether it's a good option, it remains to be seen. But he wasn't awful by any stretch. You know, I thought he put um some good crosses in. He linked up well with Richardson a few times. Um, I still think he he sort of ran himself into cul-de-sacs. You know, and, um, on a few occasions. But look, if if anyone can turn him into that player, it it, it would be Conti. But my my. Th- I think my only concern with that off the pitch is that I, I can't remember how many more seasons he's got left with us, but Two. his plan was always to finish here. and One plus one. Yeah. So his plan was to finish with us and then go back to South America. Um, so I don't know whether, you know, at, at this stage of the game in, in his career, whether whether he is capable, not so much capable, but like whether he really wants to kind of, you know, um, do that. But it's an option. And and we've not. I don't. I don't personally think we've seen enough um, to make a call on it. But yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't awful. And I know that sounds like I'm. I'm being sort of. I'm denigrating it, but I, I really don't mean to, because <laughs> he had the potential to be awful. I thought he did okay. And in, in terms of you know where you started off, Steph, about last season, I think you know if we think back to what we were talking about with um, set piece coaches, is you've got to bear in mind the limited amount of time that you get 
um, on the training pitch with players. And I think a lot of last season would have been spent on just trying to establish uh, the system that Conte wanted and get the players familiar with um, the automations that he wants and, and all that kind of stuff. And that leaves limited time to retrain people. Um, so I think from that point of view, it's understandable why he didn't really try it last season. Um, I thought Mora did okay. I think you know he's strong at taking players on one on one. That's probably his, his greatest asset. Not quite so keen on his on his crossing in the game, but he was fine. You know he's good in the air. Um, I think it's an interesting option, and particularly with kind of five subs next season. You know if he can play two positions, then um, that's a really useful asset. You know, you said about Conte, I think Conte's quote afterwards, he said, I spoke to Lucas and I think, wing back, could be a good option. In the past, I made Perisic in this position before a winger and to become a wing back. He has the quality. The most important thing is that the player has to be 100% ready to do it. And I think maybe that thing last season maybe was the 100% ready to do it. So it's an interesting option. Um, I don't know what that would mean for... I mean, I think that Riyad is going to be sold this summer. I think that's what, you know what will happen, and but that would give us that option. And you know, maybe you've then got you know Spence, Mora, Doherty can be a utility wing back, and you've got two on the other side as well. That that seems quite, you know plenty of options there. But yeah, and particularly in games where teams sit back, Mora could be a really good option there. I mean, one thing, uh, well, there's several things to say about Lucas Moura, but probably the chief thing in this circumstance is that <clears throat> he's a very trainable player. He's a, he's, he's, he's a worker. He's a, he's a dog soldier. He's going to, he's going to do his best for the manager. So if, you know, if it's in him to be able to adapt, he will, it's not going to be for lack of trying because he will try. And that's one thing we've always seen with Lucas Moura is he gives his very best on and off the pitch. And, you know, he's by all accounts, an incredible trainer and a really good presence in the dressing room. And I think that Antonio Conti values that. And I think it's a case of Antonio wanting to make sure he finds ways to utilize Lucas as much as anything else. Mm. Cause I think he values mm. yeah. the extra qualities. I completely disagree with you on, on, on Emerson Royale. That's probably a topic that we'll get to a little later, you know, where it leaves us in terms of options. I do not know. I think uh, what it would, the only thing I can say is it would increase them because again, as you said, he becomes a, another utility player. And I think Antonio wants flexibility like that. So I thought he did. I thought he did pretty well. I was, I was particularly impressed actually with his defensive work, because that's where I'm always thinking there's a, there will be a ricket in him that he, a loose pass, a bad ball. I mean, and I thought he was okay. Maybe because he didn't make any of those, but you know that's not as important in a wing back though because you've got three three center backs behind you so I, I wouldn't worry too much about the defensive side of it you know he as long as he's tracking his man when he needs to you know he's good in the air he can he can do two parts of that he's tenacious yeah i'm a little scarred by his loose passing from even in advanced positions costing us though so i was just pleased he didn't see any <laughs> that was my point i think i mean the other thing to bear in mind you know in terms of whether he wanted to do it or not yeah if we were going to bring in madison or a player like that then his options in the front three are going to be you know, even more limited than they were already. So if he wants time on the pitch, then this might be you know, the position where that happens. And that's you know, where he earns a place on the bench or, or um, you know, in the starting 11 in some games. We've seen an hour and 20 minutes from Richarlison over these two games and across all three, four positions. Um, uh, I'm, I'm going I'm to lead the, the questions. What are our first impressions? Well, I, I, have a, I have a first impression is that I absolutely fucking love this guy. I think he's going to be... A, a, a wonderful player for us. I think Antonio is going to hone some of his finer skills, but uh, you know, the, the things that I saw that I loved were, I loved his movement. 
uh, in both games, I thought he was always looking to, to to make intelligent runs and making intelligent runs and 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 never giving up on them. Even if he wasn't getting the ball, he was a, a great movement, and he seems to absolutely know when to play a pass. Albeit a couple of them, you know, some of them were under hit here and there, but his vision and his timing were, were I thought was exceptionally exciting. Um, and he is for me also the first number nine. <laughs> and he's not a number nine, but when he played number nine, the first number nine since Harry Kane, who can actually play number nine at an international level, at an international standard, which of course is no surprise because we've discussed these Brazil's number nine. Um, I, I, I was deeply impressed by him. Uh, and I know there's more to come and I know there's better to come. So uh, am I, you know, is it my glass half full, like, you know, overexcited, uh, you know, I love the away shirt, like enthusiasm coming through or do you agree? No, I'd agree on that. I think I I immediately feel like he's an upgrade on anyone we have, you know, in those sort of in those sort of after Sun and Kane from what we have it we've have had in the past and what we have now. He's still finding his feet and I think he needs time to adapt to the intricacies of how we play, but like he's intelligent um enough that that transition should be simple and it's already showing. Um and I'm loving the bits of skill on show already too, you know. I think we're going to see more of that as well, but yeah, I think I think that I've I've really high hopes for him, really high hopes, and I think we've mentioned it in a previous pod. Someone said this, and and I agree that he's a really good fit for Conti and for his system, and he's going to give us he's going to give us a a big uptaking quality when when we need to kind of when we need to bring a sub on or even when he's starting a game. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really happy. I wasn't as keen on him. In a severe game, mainly because he was playing on the right, I don't think that suits him as well. Um, you know, he's fine. He, he, I don't think he was bad by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't think he's as good there as he is on the left or through the middle. And he, I think, you know, I thought when Decky came on in the second half, I think we really saw what he can bring to a game and um, kind of his intelligence and passing. And, you know, I just think it's a nicer balance there. Um, I think in the... Kaylee game, I thought he was really good. I think as a you know Kane understudy, he gives us options, and you know the squad is a lot stronger with him in it, and there's a lot more to come from him. He's a really good player. So it's interesting you mentioned uh, the severe game in particular, and uh, you know we'll talk about the first half. Um, I I think what we saw there was something else, maybe uh, making it a little different. Uh, obviously we had the, the opposition was a lot tougher mm-hmm. uh, than the K league. I mean, they were pressing a lot harder, but also this moves to another thing, which is of great intrigue to me. It's that central midfield part pairing. Uh, you know, I thought that skip and Hoybeer together, it was clear to me. And I think it was clear to everyone that when Benton came on the second half against Sevilla, it, he changed the game. He changed yeah. the game. Uh, it's it just his poise, presence, vision, passing. And I just wonder when you have a player like that behind a player like Richarlison, wherever, he, whichever side he's playing, I think it's going to be a little different. I think the gears are going to move that much more smoothly. I thought that Hoybier and, and, and Skippy, and it was lovely to see Skip play. I felt it was a little clunky and it felt like yesterday's partnership compared to what we can have going forward. I thought Hoybier didn't have a very good game against Sevilla. He's probably, he was probably the worst of our kind of first team players playing in that game. Um, yeah. In in terms of Richarlison, so back to that, it's just it's just the blend of, of Richarlison, Son, and Kane as a front three. I don't think is I don't think is a, a particularly good blend. Uh, we miss someone who can do 
do the passing and do the you know the creativity and i, I just think it's a bit flat and i get you know it's plenty good enough for most games and i'm probably I'm, I'm being uh probably being unnecessarily harsh here but it's not um it, it doesn't have quite that element that it does when you put decky into that side for me and i think richarlison is best used on the left or through the middle i i mean i'd be excited to see I mean, the one of the combinations we didn't see, I'd be excited to see uh, Richarlison, uh, Kane and Decky. That would be a really interesting combination. I think we'll see that plenty. Sonny's yeah. turned 30 now. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that is probably the best use of Richarlison. That, that is the best lineup we'll get, I think, with him in it. Yeah, I think him and also, as we've just discussed, when he did play uh, the Orthodox Nine, the Orthodox Kane, if you will, I mean, whilst he doesn't quite, I mean, nobody is Harry Kane. And let's just make that clear. Once again, he showed that in, in, in mm. not everywhere, but, you know, he showed it in flashes where he just drops and looks and plays those passes. I mean, it's, you know, he's the best. I think he's still the best passer we've got at the club. I mean, I think we'd all mm. agree with that. But obviously no one replaces Kane, but he is going to be a very very capable mm-hmm. number nine to come in and and allow harry to rest so exciting yeah. stuff i do want to focus again back on those uh on on, on oliver skip and uh, we talked about uh pierre milhoibia there as I, i'd agree with you that you know pierre a player that we've eulogized on this pod and 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 will continue to do uh did not have a great game um do we think that skippy's done enough to be one of the two do we think he will do uh, you know come start of the season yeah i mean if you're picking that side to start against southampton do you think he's done enough to start that game no no i think that it's going to be benton kerr and hoib yeah yeah i think so as well yeah, i think i agree because benton kerr was 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 great when he came on wasn't he i mean he mm. did he, he sort of uh, against severe i should detail that for listeners i thought he kind of dropped off a bit for the last 10 15 minutes but so did everyone because they're probably absolutely yeah knackered right at that point yeah. but i mean yeah. that first 25 minutes after he came on whoa it was impressive yeah. Yeah. that's not to say skip can't force his way in no. by any means or be a part of a very um very transitional midfield yeah but yeah i, I would i would go with the, the the original pairing we've had i don't see skip starting many of the big games this season i think he's i tend not. to agree I, I think he's fourth choice out of central midfield and um mm. i think he's gonna get I think, I think this game time is going to reflect that. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. And again, I mean, look, we're looking at a player who was out for a long time with injury and has just come back and is finding his fitness. And, in you know, with those uh, observations, you'd have to say, you know, he, he put in a good shift each time. But I agree. I mean, when you consider the Basumas of this world and what they bring and what they will bring to yeah. the team, uh, he's clearly down that pecking order. If Skip was going to be a first choice player this season, we wouldn't have signed Basuma, is my view. Yeah. That's true. I, I, yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah. I think something uh, that I'm not seeing in our notes, but I think it's worth addressing here is, is Jafet Tanganga. I think we've sort of brushed this in the transfer news. I mean, uh, how did you feel about his performance uh, in, in, when he, in each game when he came on? I, I was sort of like, meh, like, you know. Yeah. That's why he's not in the notes, Steph. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose you're right. We didn't put him in the notes because of that reason. Because there's nothing so, to say. Yeah. <laughs> There is nothing to say, but what there is something to say about is uh, poor old Ben Davis getting that knock. Um, and we've seen a picture of him today in a protective boot. Is that a precautionary protective boot, yeah. do we think? Yeah, He's I got, think so. It's a long flight back from Korea, isn't it? So, um, yeah, we don't want him getting 
deep deep vein thrombosis on the plane do we or something like that but um, um yeah i thought so what i thought was really interesting or occurred to me during the game is when he tried to come back on you know he looked like he was struggling when he came off the pitch and then wanted to go back on and i was it made me think about how much competition there is for places at the moment and he must mm-hmm. see Langley coming in and thinking i've got a fight on my hands to hold on to my place here and i don't want mm-hmm. to lose it and yeah, i think yeah. you know that's the real benefit i think we're seeing at the moment with these um players we're bringing in is yeah. that all of those players are going to be looking over their shoulder and thinking i can't afford to have a tough game i can't afford to not put the effort in because if i do i'm going to lose my place and then we should talk about uh davo davison sanchez uh as you quite rightly pointed out uh in the in our whatsapp thread milo uh twice you know he was on uh out there and and the left side never playing his regular, never playing his favoured role, which is really important to note because he did come in for some criticism uh, from supporters. Uh, Bluntly, how did you think he did? So against K-League, we're jumping around a bit here, but uh, against the K-League game, I thought he was awful. I think he was our worst player. And I think he was lucky. In a competitive game, he would have been sent off. Um, He should have given away a penalty. That was the clearest penalty. I I think he gave away uh, a free kick that led to a goal. He dived in a couple of other times. It was a really poor performance. Mm. I thought he was a little better against Sevilla, but it's not a position that suits him. Um, I'm assuming that Ben Davis has had some uh, injury issues and that's why he wasn't starting games. And obviously, uh, with Langley coming in, he's not going to play there too often. You know, he's in the squad as Romero's understudy, effectively, and he's fine at that. Uh, but I don't think, mm. yeah, against K-League particularly, I thought he was awful. Well, I think he survived the cut. Do you not think, Ram? I mean, does it not feel like he survived the cut for this season and he's going to be a part of the squad and that Antonio believes that he's okay? Yeah, I believe so, because, you know, we he... He he hasn't been linked away for a move like in in anger as far as I can remember this you know this preseason he was linked with Monaco right yeah but then it it didn't look like that was anywhere near close to happening as far you know as, unless you know more Milo but yeah I just think that he did he uh, Conte's obviously happy with him being kind of um, the Romero backup mm-hmm. um, and he can play you know, on the left-hand side, not that we want him there to, to play on that side, but he can. So, um, you know, but yeah, so I think he's done enough to, to kind of, unless, unless some, you know, there's a, some sort of swoop in the final few days of the transfer window, you know, for someone yeah. and, and he goes the other way or he goes elsewhere. But yeah, I think he's here for another season. Yeah. I mean, I thought, I, mean, I agree with you both. I think largely the opinions are, as you said. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing with Sanchez is it's only so much, rebuilding your defence you can do in one summer and obviously we're linked with another centre mm. centre back and that's either going to be depending on where Langley plays it's either going to be a central centre back or a left centre back yeah, that's going to be the profile of the one we bring in with you know presumably Rodon going out on on loan um, bringing in three centre backs you know replacing all of our backup centre backs you know in, in, a, in a summer is going to be it would be a tall order and could take a while to settle down so I think you know Sanchez is is, is fine for a year um and then, you know, you can look at strengthening that right-hand side next summer, you know, from, from a position of strength. And I think we must make note once again, as we need to do on a weekly basis on this pod, of Eric Dyer's uh, magnificent um, presence in our first team, which was capped by scoring the first goal of our 2022-23 campaign. And what a brilliant goal that was. Absolutely superb. Really um, and I think he played more minutes than anyone. Did he not? Didn't he play the full 90 against Seville? He's the only player, only player we had who played the full ninety against um, against Sevilla, and his goal against K League, his goal against K League was with, with his wrong foot. Yeah, yeah. 
kids, there is no wrong foot, as we have seen with Eric Dyer, <laughs> right? I mean, proof positive. Yep, uh, a really great performance. Uh, another player that we should talk about, uh, and we'll try and do this a little quicker. I know that we uh, can dilly-dally, but let's not dilly-dally with Brian Hill. Did he do enough of genuine note other than to be busy? Would you sell him? Would you loan him? Would you keep him? I think another loan. Yeah. No, he didn't do enough. For me. He didn't do enough. Um yeah. I mean, against K-League, he started off on the right, didn't he? And then when he came on against Sofia, he played on the left. I think there's quite a lot of work to do on him playing on the right-hand side and cutting in, which is where Conte is going to want him because he wants players cut, cutting in on, onto yes. their, their shooting foot. Um, so I, I would look to get to get him out on loan, but I would look to get him out on uh, on loan to a club that are going to play him on the right um, and preferably in a more physical league than Spain. Mm. Yeah, to me, he still seems like a player who doesn't quite have the timing uh, that's necessary to make a, a meaningful contribution on a regular basis. The timing of his runs is a little off. He's, uh, he doesn't always know when to release, and I would I was hoping to see more of that. He wasn't quite as fluid, and, and a couple of times, especially against the K-League, he'd actually held up what could have been an excellent chance if he just continued you know, progressing the ball as opposed mm. to holding onto it too long. So those sorts of things can be sorted out with a loan, and I would agree with you both. I think that he is definitely someone we should attempt to to continue to harvest, if you will, and see if he can mature. I, I, I don't know. I'm going to push the boat out here and say the same for both Harvey White and Troy Parrott. Troy Parrott is very close. I think the K League again, some great movement. Um, but it feels to me he's a year away, and a, and a, and a, a final loan, in a, a, a good loan, not a, a shitty one, would really see him come on leaps and bounds and maybe be a finished article would you agree with that as i said last week i've got a suspicion that he'll be kept around for the first half of the season to make up the numbers in the champions league squad i think uh because of the squad restrictions there and our shortage of homegrown players and some of our homegrown players looking like they're going to leave this summer i think he he becomes quite valuable to us in in that situation so my suspicion is that he'll be around till january and then go out on loan then interesting well We'll see how that works out. I, I I would have thought if that was going to happen, he'd have got more more game time. To be honest, I'd have thought he'd been playing two halves of football as opposed to like you know thirty and ten minutes. So we'll see. Everyone only played two halves of football. There's two more friendlies to go. I don't think he's going to feature a lot in the Champions League. I just think he's there to make up the numbers. I hope for his career development that we find another solution because I think if he was to have a solid season on loan at a really good loan, it would be really good for his development because he's that close. And I mean Harvey White again is another player who I thought looked very promising, but I think we'd all agree, you know. And another really good loan for him would be a good thing right i mean yeah yeah he's not he's not ready yet but he potentially could be i think it probably depends on who else is going out on loan so again we need club trained players in order to make up the squad places make up the numbers um if alfie divine and um you know others are going out on loan um then him being available becomes more important particularly in europe so I wouldn't be surprised again if we kept on to him until January. I'm not I'm sure, as you, you know, just as you were saying with Parrot, um, it's not the best for his development, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's what happens. Okay, good. I think rounding off the friendlies and the South Korean trip, there's really only there's really only one slash two places to end. They sort of come together. The legend that is Eric Lamella. Great to see him again, but possibly even greater to see him and Richarlison both rushing to the defence of Sonny in the old mm. in the old first handbags of the season. He forgot what side he was on, didn't he? Well he <laughs> did. It was fantastic. It was fantastic. That's great. It was um I, I thought I, I really enjoyed the first half where he did kind of the trademark run across the front of the box. 
um, completely yeah. ignoring everyone else and not laying off a pass, you know, before kind of turning around and coming back again. <laughs> um, I've missed those. Very sensible hair. As well, a very sensible hair, which uh, was a little disappointing. I would have expected a barnet of some uh, flamboyance uh, to be uh, on, on display pre-season, but it was very sensible. Na- navy blue and fluorescent yellow. Yeah, there, was was not- <laughs> there was some nice chat between him and, on, on Twitter again afterwards. I think the club had said it was nice to see you again, Coco, and he'd kind of responded very very you know kind of positively so yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it, that was nice to see yeah and it's it, funny yeah uh, one of the questions we we had you had steph which was who stood out and i've actually written down eric lamella yeah yeah just because you i mean you'd written that down before the game had started right you were just committed to this viewpoint <laughs> yeah. because it is the legend that he's eric lamella and for no, no but seriously right but i i did i also love to see i love to see who rushes to the defense I, i'm one of those people i do like mm. it if the handbags are going to fly i'd like to see who's stepping up to defend and to see obviously we saw as you said milo eric forgot what side he was on but it was really good to see both richarlison and Romero, mm. brothers in arms, getting in there in defence of Sonny. I like it. I like it. And I and I think that really, for me, was the, probably the biggest and overriding, uh, and to come around full circle to the beginning of, the, of this section, um, the togetherness seems so good and so strong. Um, and the structure within that togetherness seems so, you know, drummed, snare drum tight. I mean, we really look and feel as 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 solid and positive and professional as we have for for some mm. years and and that's my mm. overriding takeaway by the way yeah. credit to spurs play faultless yeah. uh, faultless broadcast of each game and uh i sort of enjoyed the the filling the, the filling material too mm. so so one yeah. the thing that kind of occurred to me is, I think particularly the k-league game kind of the noise and the kind of response to the fans i was kind of getting a shea stadium <laughs> yeah kind of vibes from um yeah, it was, yeah. uh, every time it came to a uh, kind of close up of one of the players or um you know when the stadium announcer was naming a player and just the kind of response there i, I quite often pre-seasons don't really give you a flavor of where they're being played and i think we really got a flavor of south korea over these couple yeah. of games it was it was nice really nice well, I know, at th- that moment where they showed antonio on the bench and the whole crowd was going nuts and he kind of gave him a round of applause. And yeah, it's another thing we haven't mentioned is when he did the whole thing with Sonny at the press conference and he did the, the, the Sonny logo, whatever this mm. way, and everyone's sort of oh, yeah. popping off at like, whoa, I was a bit cheesy. I think it's brilliant. When, when could we have imagined Antonio Conte acquiescing to that kind yeah. of, uh, that kind of action? I think it was a yeah. Korean interviewer who asked them to do it. But I, I, I would suggest that Antonio doesn't do anything he doesn't want to do. So yeah. the fact that he was happy to do it is great. Did you see the photos of Ali Gold signing autographs over there? The Korean yes. fans like, yeah, asking yeah. him to do that. I think Charlie Eccleshare yeah. tweeted today they were flying back and there was loads of crowds at the airport and he and he tweeted out saying uh, thousands of Ali Gold fans here to wave of us course. off from <laughs> from Seoul. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, that's that's, that's an inevitable part. Of, yeah, absolutely. And that's just I think that uh, you know that that the Ali Gold uh, signing frenzy is a perfect place to sign off on the, what has been a brilliant preseason so far. And as you said at the top, Milo you know it's as much about the setup of these things and how these things are put together and the pre-planning as it is uh what happens on the pitch so all around what a positive vibe yeah absolutely yeah absolutely agree well thanks lads uh that was a lot of fun and uh we'll be back next week to discuss our game against rangers 
and all of the latest Spurs gossip and rumours. You know the drill. Subscribe to us on your favourite pod platform. We'd be really grateful if you could leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify. Well, I'm just going to tell you to do it. Just do it, okay? Say nice things. It doesn't cost anything and it helps us. And tell your friends about us too. That'll make you feel good about yourselves. So there you go. And as always, thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.